Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Kelly Parks, Cloud Accounting Specialist and Accounting Coach at Calm Waters Cloud Accounting. Kelly believes that cloud financial technology is a key to every organisation. She adopted cloud technology into her own business in 2009 using FreshBooks for invoicing and then successfully migrated all of her clients to Intuit QuickBooks Online in 2012. Kelly is a proud member of the Intuit International Writer Network and the FreshBooks Accountant Council. Cloud technology has made it possible for Kelly to enjoy working from many locations and I've loved hearing about her travels that cloud accounting has enabled her to do. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders podcast, Kelly Parks. Kelly, you were very early on in tech for accounting. Let me try and um, translate for some of the Australian audience how some of the transition went there. Essentially, you know, MYOB was sort of stuck on a on desktop software and, re, and flat out refused to go to cloud. Did, was that a similar experience in Canada for you, do you think, or not really? Yep. MYOB wasn't really a big thing here. No, no. But with the, the desktop software that you were using, though, what was the equivalent way back in the day? QuickBooks desktop. Okay. So the QuickBooks desktop was pretty prevalent in, in Canada then. MYOB, no, was not big here by any stretch. It was Sage. It was QuickBooks. That was the big ones right here. Do you know Ian Vason reasonably well? Have you worked with him a little bit? Okay. So let me tell you a story. And I'm not sure if Ian would remember it because I'm not particularly memorable. I've obviously met him (laughs) at some conferences because I love the conferences. But way back when, and this is when I met Chad Davis, and I met a guy named Andrew Wall, and basically the, the Canadian super early on adopter. So as soon as you guys came to Canada and the Jamies of HubDoc had just gone to the accounting side of HubDoc, because HubDoc started out as a consumer product. So let's say this is 2013 or 2014. I get this invitation to a lunch from this company called Carbon. But I don't know anything about you guys. So I frankly kind of think it's spam. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. What is this thing? And then I followed up. I followed up on the email. I Basically, I did a, a web search and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This carbon thing. Um, it does exist. I got a website. It's legit. The guy that called me or emailed me does work there. Okay, cool. So far, so good. And we wind up at this really, also, this was the draw. It's a restaurant I really like in downtown Toronto. And I get there and HubDoc is there. And so... I meet the Jamies. Chad Davis happened to be in town and he dropped by and a bunch of other, a small group of other Canadians. And you guys split us up into two rooms and, you know, one Jamie led one room and another Jamie led another room. And I believe it was Ian running around between both rooms. And this was the big thing you were doing then was the email triage. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is, this is really Really cool. And that was my introduction to Carbon. That was a long time ago. Ian and I split that roadshow, so I must have been somewhere else that day. But uh, the reason I, I bring him up is he actually worked on the Mac QuickBooks product at Intuit. So if you liked it, I guess you can thank him. If you, if you didn't, you can blame him. <laughs> 
But that that would have been, what, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> right. But actually, QuickBooks for Mac never, desktop never came to Canada. That's why I, I had Parallels running on my Mac. It never came to Canada. You weren't able to sort of uh, butcher it into shape. <laughs> no. So I had a marketing company and I did branding and all that kind of work before. My background is not accounting. My background is actually marketing and branding. That's why I had the Mac. I love tech because in marketing and branding, way back when, like we're talking 25 years ago, we were totally upended by cloud technology. We went cloud a long time ago in a product called InDesign came in and totally disrupted. We went to digital proofing systems. We went to FTP sites. We were one of the first industries to take on FTP sites and none of it was pretty. It was just so ugly, but it was so fun. I love all this new stuff. So I kind of was cloud-based to begin with. So I've actually been working remotely since 2009, running my marketing business. So I've been traveling and working not at a place since 2009. And so when I was doing my own books, I had a number of businesses actually, and my husband had a business. So I was doing the books for them. So I'm one of those ones that accountants and bookkeepers go, oh, don't let the client do their books. I love doing the books. But I'm tied to this Parallels pig on my Mac for QuickBooks desktop. And I was also using FreshBooks. So in 2009, I started using FreshBooks for my invoicing. So that was kind of fun. And then I was using Quicken as a bank register. So I kind of had this weird combination going. And then I had an accountant who was putting it all together in the back end, but then it wasn't always going the way that I wanted it to. So I looked for technology that I could pull it all into one place. And uh, I looked at Zero, and I looked at QuickBooks Online. And I looked at them before they came to Canada because I was in the States. I had a, a US IP address. So I managed to get those there. And they were both, to put it mildly, stinky. But I had yeah, already yeah, it been. It was pretty rough back in the day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was pretty rough. But I had gone through the pain with the marketing business, and I knew that we were going to go someplace good with the accounting space as well. And it's been great, right? And so then adopted HubDoc when it went to the accountant side rather than a commercial product, and that was great fun. I stuck with QuickBooks not because I liked one product better than the. I'm building my. I'm now building a bookkeeping business. I'm running it side to side with my marketing business. And so then I put uh, my clients on, because I had to pick one platform, I'm small, right? I had like a dozen clients at that point, maybe. I had to pick a platform, although I loved Zero, I did pick QuickBooks. But I had great fun getting certified in Zero and taking a look at that product. And I still love the product. You just got to pick something and run with it, right? You do. You do. You don't. Yeah. You don't want to be switching contexts all all day. Yeah. <laughs> Not when you're a small player like me. But what was fun was uh, so I had the very very first version of QuickBooks Online here in Canada, and then they changed the platform. And to thank me for being one of the early customers, I was one of the last ones to be migrated to the new platform. So I do bug them about that because it was a a rough journey into the new new platform, huh? Well, what they did is they put new customers on and migrated old ones kind of backwards to who had, had started early in. And now I'm a trainer writer with Intuit. I've been with Intuit for, oh, wonderful. Uh, as a trainer writer for, let's say, four or five years, I've been a trainer writer with Intuit. And rumor has it that um, given that you're fully cloud-based and, and not really tied to anywhere, that you're a big skier. 
and adventure. Is that uh, my sources correct? Your sources are correct. I am a very avid water skier, snow skier. I am suffering under an ankle injury. I'm also a runner. If I can go outside and play, I am going. But I have an ankle injury right now. So the type of water skiing that I do, I have very high, tight wrapped boots on my ski, which I, I can't get in and out of. I also can't come across the wakes. They're really hard. So I have not skied two seasons now because I can't get the surgery on my ankle right now here either. So it's been disappointing. I'm not running. I'm, I'm walking. And so I, but I'm also not beating myself up like I normally do. So I have a buddy. We have been traveling together since high school and we had three destinations that owned our heart and it would be just the two of us very often that would go. So his name is Dave Matthews. And we used to make fun of him that he was the real Dave Matthews. I don't know if you know about the rock star Dave Matthews. Oh, So Dave and I would go <laughs> to Whistler. We would be in Vail in, let's say, February. We would go somewhere in December. Jackson Hole was our favorite. And then we would go to um, Whistler in the spring. So we've been doing that since high school. And then right the start of university kind of thing. And we had a leave each other dead on the hill kind of mentality. It was just like all in and don't be a baby. And then I wound up having two kids on my own. I mean, I was married when I had them, but then I'm, I'm literally on my own and I am still playing the dead on the hill game, which was really dumb because I live out in the country and I have two kids that I need to get to places. So uh, I, I didn't, didn't learn lessons. So right now I'm actually not hurting myself doing anything the last two years since I, the last time I injured my ankle. So I don't know if that's fun or not fun. Being injured and for uh, when you're such an active person like yourself can uh, be detrimental to your mental health, particularly in COVID. Have you, have you been okay? Are you coping all right without being able to sort of get really active? <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm still out. I'm still doing mostly the same mileage. I'm just not running it. And what's really cool, where we live on the lake that we're on, so we couldn't go anywhere last winter. We would normally spend quite a bit of time in Florida. And then two years ago or three years ago, we went to New Zealand for a month. And we will go back next year for probably, yeah, we'll probably go for two months next year, maybe even more. This lake that we live on, so I'm able to paddleboard on it and my dogs like to come on the paddleboard. But in the winter, we're frozen. And we had uh, some of the guys made a four and a half kilometer track that they're keeping plowed around our lake. And so that has been a really nice place. Last year, we could skate it almost the entire winter. This year, it's not as skatable, but you can walk it. So, you know, not every day, but I'm on it at least once, but some days I'm out there twice. So I'm still getting the 10 kilometers in. So hats off to our neighbors. It's a wonderful neighborhood to live in. And uh, so last year, even in the thick of COVID, we could be outside playing. So, you know, being outside is the key part. That's the thing that that's so awesome. And so tell me, what are your hobbies? What's your big sport? I'm supposed to ask the questions, but that's okay. They, we, we can flip it up, Kelly. We live in Lake Tahoe in Nevada. Uh, just over Nice. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, in Incline Village. I guess I shouldn't give out the address in case my... Worst enemies. <laughs> uh, not that I've got that many. Um, and so our, our kids, our girls, uh, who are 11 and 9, ski at Diamond Peak. It's a, the little um, community-owned hill. 
ice ski at uh, Rose, uh, Mount Rose, and um, Kirkwood, and a bit of North Star, a bit of Palisades, as it's now known, and Alpine Meadows. And in summer, we're you know we're we're out on Lake Tahoe uh, extensively. So um, we love where we live. We when we first moved to the US, we're in San Francisco and, and then Marin, and we sort of just made our way north. And I, I think we're staying here for the uh, medium term at least. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's a nice area. Yeah, good for you. And actually, you have a fellow FinTech Australian who has just moved to the US as well. And that is uh, Jamie Beresford of Practice Protect. Oh, Jamie reached out on our, on, on our raise just on LinkedIn the other day. So, okay, do you know where he, he moved to? Yeah, but I'm not stalking him or anything, yeah. but he's in Boulder. Oh, okay. He wound up in Boulder. So the reason that I brought it up is we got two Australians in absolutely beautiful areas of the yes. U.S. Those are two marvelous areas to live in. You've just got heaven on earth with the mountains and the skiing and the beautiful hiking in the summer. So good for you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, as you can imagine, I mean, I don't know how old your kids are, mate, perhaps I would guess a little bit older maybe, but um, the environment in which we want to raise them as, you know, outdoors. I mean, that <laughs> sounds, I don't know how this is going to sound, but, um, you know, we're, we're obviously super proud of them. But, they, you know, they they ski, you know, seven till two and in the morning and two in the afternoon and then go horse riding for two hours, you know. Like it's a pretty amazing lifestyle to grow up in. <laughs> wow. That is a super amazing lifestyle. Wow. Good for you. That's awesome. I think we have an affinity for uh, an alignment on the outdoors and, you know, like you've obviously created a, a lifestyle for yourself and a work environment for yourself where you can sort of ankle injury aside be and COVID aside, of course, be pretty much anywhere. A hundred percent. And it's cloud technology that's allowed us to do that. It let me do that when I had my marketing business and I wanted it to be exactly the same. And I wanted it the same for my clients. So I had a client last year whose parents got sick. They live in the States. She's up here. She used to say to me, I don't love the technology that I bring to her, but she loves what the technology has done for her business. So whatever I ask my clients to do, I've been lucky enough that they've, they've had the faith in me to do as I, as I ask and to have some trust that it's going to be for their better good. So actually, I'm going to tell the story of Sherry in general. She's an amazing woman. So she had a number of restaurants, some of them were separate entities, and then some of them had class tracking going on and all kinds of like the one had like a bakery and it had corporate sales and it had all kinds of cool things going on. And the first time I walked into her office and there was her mission statement was on the wall. And I'm like, oh, I love somebody who already has a mission statement. That's awesome. And when I first took over her books, I, I lectured her endlessly because her payroll was ridiculous. But she was very clear at that point that one of her life goals was to employ people. And she was a fabulous employer. So she ignored me about the things with payroll because that mattered to her to have people. And one of her employees was the coolest guy, a guy named Peter. And Peter was considering moving on in his life and retiring with his partner. His partner was a school teacher and he was retiring and so Peter was like, wanted to retire with him. And then we switched some of the technology over because I wanted Sherry to go to online. And she was then she was using HubDoc. I brought her into HubDoc and I brought her into QuickBooks Online and some Pluto, which is a payment platform. And she was pushing back a little. But Peter was like, 
this is fun. This is really, really fun. So he stayed on for, I think it was another three or four years just because he was enjoying a whole new way of doing something. And Sherry loved her ability to go in and to check on her finances and to do all that. But that didn't mean that she absolutely loved technology. There was a part of her that still would have liked a paper register, but she understood what it did. When her parents got sick, she was able to go to the States and be with her mom. And she was super grateful that she could still run all the business aspects of her business, like her payroll. She was on an online payroll platform, like her payroll, like her time tracking, managing her finances, paying bills, all of that. That's the kind of thing that the cloud technology can bring to our clients. So it's not just about, although I try to make it all about Kelly in general. <laughs> no, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'll try and make it all about Kelly. But to try and bring some of those lifestyle benefits to your clients, but also for Sherry, like having all of these different entities and having so many spinning plates in the air and being able to go into, so I created all this whole series. I love custom reports. I created all kinds of custom reports. So she didn't have to dink around. She could literally go in and find all of the information she needed to make. And I know this sounds like the rhetoric that you hear, but Sherry is a living, breathing example of what the cloud tech has done for her. It was really an amazing story. And then she actually sold the businesses in the middle of the pandemic. Her finances were up to date. The businesses were ultimately viable because they weren't just walk-in restaurants. She had a number of different business models going and she sold it during the pandemic. It was very cool. Good on it. And as she walked off into the sunset and <laughs> or is she she uh, got the bug again and then she uh, no, she's walked off into the sunset for now. The timing is good. Her mom did ultimately pass away and she can spend more time focusing on her on her dad. So yeah, it's a good news story all around, except for the mom part. And Peter retired and moved up north. The guy that ran a lot of the tech for Peter retired and moved up north with his husband. Yeah, it was great. Sitting on the, the porch of a cabin doing some fishing or something <laughs> is how I imagine yes, that. <laughs> pretty much. So now I have to ask another question. When did you move to the States? Like when did you make the, because Carbon is still, is it still Australian based or is it largely American based? We've always been US-based. We moved with zero on December 8, 2012. <laughs> so we're coming up to 10 years this year in, in the US. And uh, we, we had a wonderful journey at zero. And and ultimately, you know, I'm not a very good employee. And so um, ultimately wanted to sort of venture out and do our own thing. And, you know, the team that, that we sort of put together is just honestly believe, you know, and I, I don't want to sound like a dick, but um, I, I really do believe we're the best team that understand accounting and accounting software, you know, as software developers and the most experienced and the most uh, entitled is the wrong word, like um, almost a responsibility, I feel, you know, to build systems that make the industry, that progress the industry, that help the industry, that improve morale, that makes your life easier, better, more enjoyable, wh whatever adjectives you want to use. <laughs> Could we use the word engaged then? Engaged is great. That's a good word. Yeah. You're engaged with the community, but you're also creating engagement within the firms that are using your product. 
I hope so. That's that's definitely the plan. Yeah. And so, okay, so I learned something new today. I thought all along that carbon and I need I have a spreadsheet with all the applications and what you do and all of that kind of stuff. I need to update my spreadsheet. It's on my website, so you can go check it out. I need to update my spreadsheet. I had you down as an Australian company. Founded by Australians in in America. We're wholly US based and and owned. We don't really have I mean, we're, I work out of the Reno office. There's offices sort of springing up all over the place now. We have Knoxville, Tennessee, of all places, is starting to become a hub. San Diego uh, has got quite a few success people down there. Andy, you know, who you probably would have come across in your Intuit days as well, um, worked closely with Ian at Intuit, and, and she's just amazing and, and leading up the success team down there. We're in Seattle, and as I said, we opened up a Halifax office up your way. And that team is a data team that's working on very exciting new product that will enable accountants to answer the, the tricky questions that you've always wanted to ask and never been able to get good answers for. So um, that's exciting. And uh, hopefully we're re- we'll release that at our conference. <laughs> that's a bit of a teaser. So we get to answer the tricky questions with a new product that you're bringing into play? I don't want to put words in your mouth, Kelly, but... Um, the questions that you always want to ask of your practice, you know, and if you've got employees, it's sort of like, well, who are my most productive employees? Who are my most profitable customers? What is my scheduling and, and budgeting looking like? Can I bring on customers? Do I have to hire people? Should I sack some customers? You know, because that, that's a thing, of course. What is my revenue per production employee is, is a great question that is often hard to answer. What is my, some accounting practices are running I, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear from you, but some accounting practices are running their their practice like a SaaS business. You know, you have MRR and churn and and net revenue retention and 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 all these kinds of things. So we're building a reporting. Yeah, I mean, it's no. I don't want to classify it as a reporting product. It is brings data to the surface that enables you to answer these imperative questions. And and uh, yeah, the idea is to bring that out at our conference, Carbon X, in early June. Okay, that sounds very cool. But now I got to move on to Carbon X. I didn't even know there was a Carbon X. Tell me about that event. Am I going to have FOMO for that? Is that an internal thing for you, or is that other people come too? This is for you, Kelly, and and our and our audience. Uh, especially, we're going to do a live podcast. Maybe you could help with that. That'd be fun. We are on stage. So Carbon X is June three to five. You know, coincidentally, I had nothing to do with the location in Lake Tahoe, in Kind Village. Oh. <laughs> at the part at the Hyatt here. I'm guessing um, you did. <laughs> it's like a destination wedding. You know, we bring all our amazing customers that want to come in. We are capped at a hundred. We are capped at a hundred, so we can't fit any more in the room. So a hundred of our most wonderful, treasured, best customers like yourself. And, um, you know, we would obviously love to have you there. And those listening, depending on when you hear this, I guess, uh, when we get it out, you will be seeing um, invitations and, and some a little bit of noise about that as we progress through the year. But that's Lockie, who heads up marketing out of Melbourne. You were sort of talking about Australia, US division, but a lot of our development, coincidentally, is done in Sydney. My co-founder and CTO, John Freeman, lives in Sydney, so... A lot of the R&D is done out of there. But um, that's why you may think that it's easy to get the impression that, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously Australian. I haven't lost my accent yet. My, my kids have, though. <laughs> okay. Well, Carbonex, that sounds fun. Oh, okay. Very cool. 
The idea is that uh, you can get from Reno to Las Vegas and go down to Engage on the Monday after uh, Carbon or Sunday. Carbonex quite, you know, uh, make that. Uh, it's a pretty. There's, I think there's a, half a dozen or so flights from Reno to Las Vegas each day. So make the transition from you know the fun, intimate, uh, enjoyable sort of smaller events down to the masses in Vegas. <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I want to back up on something. Oh, first, I want to say way back in 2012, Zero, you said you came over with Zero. The only guy I knew from Zero was Bill Kimball. So did your paths cross with Bill or is Bill the steward? Doesn't ring a bell, but let me... And that, So then Bill Kimball was basically looking after uh, Zero North America. He was a pretty cool guy too. The actual thing that I want to get to is you said, I can't remember the word you used. It was a great word. It wasn't ditching clients. Oh, sacking clients. Yeah. Sacking <laughs> clients. I'm going to have to use that because I, I don't love the word. A lot of people use the word firing. I like the word rehoming unless they're a complete dickhead. Then you can just fire them. Like, right. If somebody's a dick, just fire them. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you don't want to do that to a fellow accountant, right? <laughs> no. No, just be done and dusted. But I have liked the word rehoming for quite a long time. But sacking is kind of a fun word for the ones that are on the fence of maybe not being a great client versus not a great fit. Because sometimes you have to get rid of clients that are awesome, right? They can be amazingly fantastic, but you're not bringing them value. I actually have a client like that right now that I had to, we parted ways, let's say a year ago. I finished off their 2020, they're an audited financials. I finished off their 2020 and did the audit with the audit firm and then had to rehome them because I didn't offer some of the services that they needed. So I wasn't doing the best job for them that I could. I don't have that many clients, but they tend to be bigger and they tend to have people that do things. I don't do anything. I review, reconcile. I mean, I'm in the weeds on their books. I can do accounts payable and accounts receipt. I have a client right now that I am their wonder Jane that's doing everything for them because hiring administration staff is like a nightmare. So I am totally doing the bookkeeper booty call with that client right now, but that's fine. That's going to change as they hire up. I don't normally do the bookkeeper booty call, but anyways, this client, I had to rehome them because I wasn't good for them. They have since... Um, changed some of their business model and come back to me. And it's so fun having them back. It's been great. And rehoming them when I was the one that couldn't bring the best value to them means that now that they're back, we're having a love fest because I'm perfectly a great fit for them. So who they had in the meantime didn't bring them value at all. They did not. I am doing a cleanup of the entire year of last year for them. If you rehome a client, not just because they're not a fit for you, but if you can't bring them the best value, you're doing everybody a world of favor, not just yourself, because you shouldn't be offering services that you don't love, right? And that's what this case was. And now that they're back and they're a perfect fit, it's awesome having them back in my business. The transparency and the, and the vulnerability that you showed them and, to, you know, the honesty and authenticity that you demonstrated in that situation allowed them to probably build an enormous amount of trust and that's why they're back. They 
they might reconfigure their finances so that you do what you're great at and, and you can partner with somebody else or some others to provide the services that you don't want to do. And, and that's a great arrangement, right? Do you have like a, a specialty, a niche that uh, like a lot of your clients are in, in some kind of vertical or you do the bookkeeping and you're happy context switching from veterinarian to dance studio to? For the most part, I have a niche or I call it my five-star client. My five-star client, again, I know you said it probably isn't all about Kelly, but it is about Kelly because um, I can bring the best value to my clients if I am providing the services that I like and if I am using the technology that I like. If the technology, I'm not going to force somebody to fit into my tech stack. If they are still suited for desktop, I'm not going to take them on. And those that are suited for desktop generally have things that I don't love. I don't love inventory. I don't love multi-currency. I've had a couple of multi-currency clients. I don't love them. So more than a niche, although for uh, probably five years, I did have restaurants, not just because of the one that had a number of entities, but I had a number of other restaurant clients. I did love them. But my niche is more about the type of work that I do. So it's not going to involve inventory. It's not going to involve heavy payroll. Although I love job costing, because if a client wants job costing, they care about their books deeply. If they're going to do job costing. So my ideal client or a, is a client that's super engaged in their books. I don't want a client that doesn't care about them as much as I do. And job costing loves it. But job costing with labor burden it doesn't always go well in QuickBooks Online. So I'm not doing that. So I don't have construction clients right now. I did when I was on desktop, job costing was, was beautiful, right? And that a lot of the times went hand in hand with inventory. So the short version is, which my dad always says, Kelly, just wrap it up here, is my niche is by the technology and the services that I love to offer. So accounts payable in a previous life was onerous. You had to be somewhere because the bills were coming in by paper. They're coming in by mail and the checks had to be written. And, you know, Canada is like, like Australia. I mean, I don't think I've written a check in 10 years. So it wasn't a big stretch to move people to platforms like Pluto or like Veeam or like Melio or any of the payment platforms like it has been in the States. Here, it was a fairly uh, seamless thing. So before Accounts payable was a time-consuming, you had to be in the office kind of process. Now, accounts payable is a fairly automated process. The documents go into HubDoc or Dex, they go into QuickBooks or Xero, and they get paid out of whatever platform is at the back end. And that's a service that I stopped offering for a while on the desktop because you were so tied to it because I was doing desktop remote hosted by QBox as well. Now that's actually a really nice kind of, you could call that a vertical or a niche, if you will, that if there was a time where if it had heavy payables, that wouldn't have been an option. And now heavy payables doesn't really matter. That can still be part of the services that you can offer. So I went way off topic. You said, do I have a niche? It relates to the services and the technology more than anything. And you know, the other one that I love, I don't have anybody that I'm doing it for right now, but I love because this is the other ideal client or I call them five-star clients. So a five-star client for me is 100% engaged in their books. Class tracking 
is so ridiculously satisfying on two levels. The client isn't going to pay to have it done unless they really, really care about their books. And class tracking is in the weeds with the details, making sure that every single thing goes to the right place. And that can be deeply satisfying, as much as nerdy and crazy as that sounded. My guess is that your niche is working with people that you love working with. Yep, providing services that I love. Like I said, I could have what could possibly be the greatest client in the world, the nicest human being, and willing to pay me a fortune. But if they had inventory that they needed builds for, I couldn't take them on. I have to know my limit on that. What's interesting is, so Hector Garcia, Oh yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. you've heard of Hector. Yep, yeah, we've had a few times, yeah. yep. <laughs> Super cool dude, right? Yep, yep. So I'm at Scaling New Heights in October, and Hector and I started up a conversation about something and wound up talking about inventory. And this is the thing about live events. This is what I miss so much. I have yet to do a Zoom call, uh, a webinar, even the ones where everybody is allowed to unmute and ask questions and be engaged, I have yet to have a random conversation that goes way sideways like I have had at live events. And one of them was with Hector and Hector and I started talking about he loves inventory. I don't do inventory, but I do rescue work. I take on, um, I love cleaning up a file and getting it caught up. That again is in the weeds, nitpicky stuff. And I love that. And I took on a, I believe it was, a, not I believe it was, it was a Sage migration to QuickBooks desktop that was insane inventory. So Hector and I are just talking about insane inventory projects that we've had. And I said, and it was so weird because it was an awning company and you would get like 100,000 bolts would come in and you'd need to parse out 10 of them and the canvas that came off a roll and the rods that formed the thing to build an awning. So you started out with all of these big pieces, right? And you put them together to create a project and you needed to know all of the inventory on it, all the inventory management, the build and the costing at the other end that it went out as cost of goods sold moved from inventory. Man, I'm a nerd. And Hector said, oh, I have an awning company that I'm doing that. And, and he had an awning company, but that's what he does. That's a niche niche. <laughs> that's a niche niche. He loves manufacturing right? That's a niche of his is manufacturing. And those are the kind of conversations that I really miss. My husband is back here probably listening going, I miss you having those conversations with other people because I try to talk about accounting at home and I get shut down. So although my true love is technology, I love being in the bookkeeping space because of technology. There is this whole other satisfaction that comes from the actual bookkeeping work itself that I completely nerd out on. And so having that conversation with Hector, because then we got into like the weeds on the different kinds of awnings and the different kinds of inventory builds versus cost of goods sold that was happening. And it was super fun and nerdy. Hopefully today is satisfied. I've helped out your husband just a tiny bit so you can nerd, we can nerd out together on accounting and booking. Yeah. Actually, Scaling New Heights was fun to nerd out with people in general. We all miss that in person. Well, I certainly do. I, I really miss it. And we're, we're pretty determined to get carbon. We've tried for two years in a row to get Carbon X on, and I think we're third time lucky. So, uh, you know, the, the world seems to be marching back to normality irrespective and trying to manage it the best the human race can, right? Seems to be the, the philosophy at the moment. Yeah. 
But coming up in May, I am looking forward to, I'm on a panel with at Accounting Web Summit too. Oh, okay. I should be up with my events. Where is that in person? Where's that? That's in person. It's in San Diego and it's on a really cool private island. So you need to look that up. Oh, I'm sure the guys are onto it. We've got a very, uh, I, I, I use the, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure our wonderful marketing people are onto it. They're all over that stuff. So I've no doubt that um, that'll be happening. I can't leave you though without uh, talking a little bit more about your two-month trip in New Zealand. What's are you going hashtag van life and uh, rocking around the South Island? What's the plan in New Zealand when you get down there? No, so I am not going hashtag van life. And my husband, we are united on this, but we love a nomad life. So when we travel, and we did this the first time in New Zealand, we get a flight. That always works. Unless we're here in North America. We love to road trip. We have a couple of dogs. They love the car. They're fantastic. Well, we have a pickup truck. They love the truck. They're great. So here in North America, we road trip back and forth to Florida. And um, we are very loose on it. It's like we're going to leave on this day and we're going to get in the car. And ultimately, we'll wind up somewhere in a week from now or whatever the case may be. In New Zealand or any travels that I've been lucky enough to do a lot of traveling over my life, and it looks the same every time. Get a flight, get a car if it's a car-appropriate destination, because some aren't, right? Get a car, and depending on what time the flight comes in or the flight goes out, you may need a hotel room. You just may need a hotel room that first night. Everything else in between is a crapshoot. So uh, basically, we like to... I love to see where the wind blows. I know a lot of people like to have a full blown plan or they panic. They need to know every, I panic. I panic immensely (laughs) if if there is a plan. (laughs) Because what if I get somewhere and I really like it and I, yeah. yeah. What if I really like it and I want to stay or what if I get somewhere and I don't like it and I want to go? New Zealand is like a traveler's paradise. It is totally built for people to come and freewheel and travel. So we had the car, spent the first night at, I have a friend, an old roommate of mine. He lived here in Canada, went up. He owns, this is cool. He owns a uh, pottery farm, but we're talking like a farm. We're talking like gravel trucks, size trucks, big trucks, pulling clay out and then making gigantic pots of things that they sell all over the world. We're not talking, you know, a couple of plates and um, stayed up there, stayed up with him and then did the North Island, stopped in in Wellington and um, dropped in on zero. And um, just I wanted to see the zero office. And but the South Island owned our heart. So we got to a place called Wanaka and Mount Aspiring. I can't remember if it's Mount Aspiring or Aspiring Mount and the Rob Roy Valley. Unbelievable. So, and they have the hut hikes there. So you can do, you know, 20 kilometers a day to the next hut through the, the things. But Mount Aspiring was amazing. My husband is a fly fishing guide. That's what he does for a living. And so New Zealand was his Mecca. So we would head off into the Rob Roy Valley in the morning from Wanaka. Then I would see him eight hours later which is what we do. Now, we, in all fairness, we haven't been, been to Vail in a little while, but when we used to go to Vail, I had a Colorado card so I can start at eight in the morning and I can ski till an hour after closing, whatever time that is in the season. So, and he would go down to the Eagle River. He would go fly. So we, we would call it the eight hours of sports. So he'd go eight hours, he'd go down to the river. 
I'd go eight hours on the mountain. Then we'd do eight hours of apres ski. And then we would do eight hours of sleeping and start it all over again. But in the Rob Roy Valley, we would literally see each other eight hours later. It was insane and such a cute little town. And then we love Queenston. Queenstown, Queenston? Uh, Queenstown. It's yeah, Queenston yep. here. Oh, I see. And I, see, I get yeah. it mixed up. And Queenstown. So we love that whole area did too. You, get, it was, you sound like you went in spring or summer. Did you get any skiing in it all down there? No, we did not. We went in February. And what was interesting was almost at the same time, Scott and Patty Scharf of Catching Clouds were in New Zealand. I didn't know them except through social media, but I was uh, sending notes of the, they were ahead of us by a couple of weeks everywhere. And when I saw, I finally met Scott in real life at Scaling New Heights. So I had to pick his brain and he had the same experience that we did. His favorite place was Hobbiton. Have you been to Hobbiton? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. So it's outside, let's just call it Rotorua. It's outside Rotorua and it's the Lord of the Rings Hobbit town. And that was one of Scott's favorite times in New Zealand. And I would say that that was one of ours. And at first I was like, I don't know, Hobbiton? Like, is that really something we need to do? But my husband is a Lord of the Rings freak. So we went and it was actually a moment. Could I go way off on a, on a tangent there? No, no, no. Well, I asked about New Zealand. So, I, you know, we, we mostly skied down there, right? You know, obviously growing up in Melbourne, uh, getting on a plane for three hours was uh, much more more likely to occur and go skiing in Wanaka or uh, Queenstown and uh, well, Mount Hutt. We did some uh, chopper skiing out of Mount Hutt one year, a long time ago, but um, then uh, coming all the way up here to North America. I mean, I hadn't skied North America until we moved here and, uh, you know, obviously fell in love with it. And But um, the places that you've been, Vale and Whistler, obviously, and and uh, hiking in New Zealand is just, just amazing experiences, right? And I guess to put a circle on it, <laughs> you need to be operating in the cloud the whole time in order to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. For sure. Did you see that? Did you see, see, see that? <laughs> I saw that. That was very nicely done. Yeah, for sure. Kelly, this has been an absolute blast. I have really enjoyed meeting you and uh, being on here. I've certainly watched all of the things that you've done for our industry and much appreciate all of that work. That's been awesome. Thank you. We've got a mission to keep going and, and do the best we can to um, to have fun with it and, and have an impact. And uh, we think we've got a wonderful opportunity to sort of um, lead the world. So, uh, here we, you know, 22 is a big year and ho hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the world can uh, re return to just a tiny bit of normality, but you never know. <laughs> oh, it feels like it. I think we're well underway. Yeah. So, again, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Kelly. It's been wonderful to chat with you. And uh, we, uh, I would, uh, you know, hope to meet in person this year. It'd be fantastic. Yep, for sure. Okay, great. You have a great afternoon. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.